zip up, man. Good morning, Christ Church. Merry Christmas. Christmas week is upon us. No? Not excited yet? Too, too many things to still do? Uh, well, hey, uh, so glad you're here with us. As uh, Jackie said, make sure to get some hot chocolate. A uh, Santa's here? Santa, I know him, yeah. Who, who said that? that? You took my line. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but we're so glad you're with us today. And uh, man, praying that this week is special. Uh, as Jackie said, we've got you know, a really uh, meaningful Christmas weekend coming up. So we're going to start celebrating with our concert, then our services, 9, 30, 11, and uh, you know, spend some time to remember what this is about, the goodness of God and sending Christ for us. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. But let's bow our heads and pray. We'll get the message today. Father, we love you. We are so grateful for the deep meaning of this season. Father, it's hard to comprehend uh, what it actually means that, Lord, you became flesh, that you dwelt among us, that you became one of us. But, Father, help us to understand that. Help us to appreciate that beautiful gift and help us to honor you in all that we do. Father, today I pray you would give us a vision for how to end this year well. And Lord, anything that you want us to give up, help us to do that. Anything you want us to be in pursuit of, help us to do that. We pray it would all glorify and honor you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've uh, read a lot by this guy named Cal Newport. And he is a computer science professor at Georgetown University. And when he was, um, you know, early in his career, the big goal as a new professor is to get tenure. Because once you get tenure, you know, you're making a good living, you have more job security. It's, you know, the goal of, of every beginning professor. But it's very difficult to get because one of the big requirements is you have to publish a certain amount of academic papers. And that takes a lot of work, and they have to be accepted, and they have to meet a standard. And then while you're doing that, you're also teaching classes, and you're tending to the needs of your students, and you're doing all the administrative meetings and that kind of thing. So many times, young professors are working, uh, you know, 12-hour days. They're working weekends. It's, it's a, a tough deal at the beginning. And Cal Newport decided, he's like, you know what, I don't, I don't want to live that way. You know, is there, there a better way? And so he started to experiment and learn about how to, you know, better manage his time and how to better manage his attention. And he wrote all about this in this book called Deep Work. And the book is, is about this idea that the world needs deep work. Deep work is, is work where your mind is fully attuned your attention is there, and, and you're producing something of great value. You know, you can't do deep work and be checking your phone every two seconds yeah, because your, your concentration's not there. So, so he said, the world needs deep work, but it has never been harder than it is today to do deep work. Anyone believe that? <laughs> because of all the distractions. So so he writes about how, how do you figure this all out? And it's a great book, and it's been super helpful to me. Not that I practice at all, but I'm trying to, you know. Uh, I'm pretty distractible. 
but one of the interesting ideas that he had in this book is, is called a shutdown ritual. Do you ever find that sometimes you bring work home with you? You know, you, you leave the office, you leave the classroom, you, you leave work, but then your mind can't let it go. And, you know, a time where you maybe want to be present with your spouse or your kids or you just want to relax a little bit, it, it's very hard. And so he said one of the things that helped him grow his ability to do deep work and to produce is every day when he was done, he'd practice a shutdown ritual. And he would just kind of go over his email. He would make some notes about the problems he was going to solve the next day. And he said what he realized that by having that ritual every day, his mind was able to let work go. And he could go home and be present as a young husband and a young dad. And I thought, that's a cool idea. And then it made me think a little bit more. If, if a shutdown ritual is helpful at the end of a day, would it be helpful to think about that at the end of a year? In other words, you know, we talk about beginning things a lot and sustaining things, but, but we don't usually talk about how do you end something well. Because I believe that, that ending well and ending in the right way is a really significant thing in life, you know? If your plane takes off well and the flight's good and then you don't end well, you're dead. Like 90% of the flight was great until we crashed on the runway. Endings matter, amen? <laughs> on the other hand, maybe you, you know, it's a little late, there's some turbulence, but you touch down and it's, and it's easy and it's smooth and you're alive and now you're in, you know, this beautiful tropical place. You're like, you know, that flight wasn't too bad because a good ending can make up for a lot. And today I want to talk about this idea as we are uh, three Sundays left in 2023. And I ask this question to myself and to us, how do we end well? How do we finish this year well so that we can go into next year, maybe with less baggage than we're carrying today, maybe with a, a clear vision of where God has for us, maybe with some lessons learned from this year and some, some strength from the ways that, uh, the things that we can celebrate and carry with us. So today I want to talk about that, and I want to look at a scripture in 1 Timothy to guide us today. And this is the, the great Apostle Paul writing, and he's writing to his protege, a man named Timothy. And Timothy has kind of been a man he's mentoring that's doing a lot of the same things that the Apostle Paul would do. And in these letters, Paul is kind of coming to the end of his ministry, and he's helping Timothy to think about the big picture of all of this. And in chapter 6, verse 11, he says these words. And I think these are a good framework us to think about ending well. He says this, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. As for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now, these verses are so powerful, and there are so many great ideas in them. 
And if I could just kind of summarize it for us today, I think what, what Paul is showing us is that we, we can finish well by fleeing some things. I believe some things we need to just leave in 2023. Some things I believe God doesn't want you to bring them into 2024. You're going to be tempted to. It's going to make sense in your mind, but I think some things the Lord's like, all right, you just leave it there. We, we got to actively move away from some things, but then we also then need to pursue some other things. And in these verses, I, I would just kind of summarize them as pursuing goodness, truth, and life. Those are the directions as we end this year that God has for us. So let's kind of dig into these verses. So if you notice, Paul says, he says, but as for you, and if, and if you read the context of this, you can see that, that there's a shift in tone here. He's kind of wrapping it up, you know, and you can almost hear Paul's tone a little bit. He's like, all right, Timothy, listen up now. As for you, and then he says, oh, man of God. And why is he saying that? Because he's, he's reminding Timothy of his real identity. Timothy, I want, you, I want you to know you are a man of God. You don't feel like it right now. You may not be acting like it. You may not be living up to that identity, but, but that's who you really are. And as we finish this year, I want to remind you today that if you are a follower of Christ, you are a man or woman of God. Just turn to the person next to you and be like, what's up, man of God? Or woman of God, if it's a woman, you know, obviously. Let's be. <laughs> so what's, you, are, you are a man of God. Now, here's part of the beautiful thing about Christianity. This is why this is so significant. In Christianity, God gives you an identity first as a gift. This is how Christianity works. Identity is first received. It's not achieved. In other words, Timothy, he didn't get the title man of God. He didn't earn it. You know, it's like, all right, Timothy, you're, you're going through your preacher classes, and you're going through your theology classes, and you're going and serving the poor, and if you do all this right, then you can, you can carry that title man of God. No, this title is for every person that looks to Christ as their Lord and Savior, as the leader of their life, as the one that they say, I cannot do any of this without you. You are my hope. You are my lifeline. When you do that, whether you realize it or not, here's what the scriptures say. You have become a new creation. You won't feel like it all the time. You won't act like it all the time. But you are in God's sight today. You are the people of God. You are a man of God. And why is this so important? It's so important to know this because... When you begin to accept that reality and you begin to see yourself that way, then you will begin to bring your life in alignment with the identity that God has given you. You with me on this? When, when you and I, when we fail God and when we move away from him, we're acting out of alignment with who we actually are. See, you might be tempted today to think that, you, oh, I'm the mess up. I'm all these mistakes. You're not actually. You're a man or woman of God. That's when you step outside that identity. Anybody with me on this? And so what we, what we need reminded of again and again and again and again is who we really are 
in the sight of God. And again, you don't earn this. You're given this. And then God says, hey, I want you to begin to align your attitude and your actions and your perspective on life with who you really are, which is a man or a woman of God. Church, you are a spiritually driven person who wants to honor God. That, that, if you're a follower of Christ, that is the true you. And, and when your life is out of alignment with that, the reason it's miserable is because it's not the true you. You with me on this? And so Paul says, hey, Timothy, before I talk about anything, let me remind you of who you are. And hey, maybe this year you're, you look at a lot of moments and you're like, I was not a man of God. I was not a woman of God. And maybe, you, you know, you can, you can look. And then, and here's what you'll do. You'll be tempted then to bring that broken sense of identity into 2024. And you'll go in out of alignment. And church, I just want to remind you today, this is who you are. This is who you are. It's a gift from God. It's that identity that he gives us. And it's, and it's meant to direct everything in our lives. So Paul says, and Timothy now, because this is who you are, you need to flee certain things. There's certain things that just, they won't work in our life anymore. Maybe they did before I knew Christ, before I gave my life to Christ. It, it, it made sense and it worked, but, but not anymore. And he says, so we need to flee some things. Now, if you read the context, Paul talks about a few things to flee. He talks about fleeing just wrong ideas, wrong understanding about God. He talks about fleeing greed, you know, fleeing a, a materialistic approach to life. But I would also say, I think there, there's some other things I'd, I, I'd like to bring as application in our life to flee. And, and the first thing I would say is we need to flee some toxic thoughts. Man, we've been talking a lot about this as a church, and I think it's so important uh, to keep talking about this. Because our thought life, what happens up here, that's what dictates everything about our life. So if this can get healthier, so can everything around us. But if this remains unhealthy, then so will everything around us. So this is a theme we got to keep talking about. And I believe that there are some toxic thoughts that have been running on repeat in our minds this year that we need to leave here in this year. I remember, you remember when uh, you had a cassette player in your car? Some of you remember this? Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's all right. <laughs> okay, that's before me. Uh, but then, but then, cassette players turned into CD players, and that was a big deal, you know. And and some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but you said there was a disc, and it played music, and you had to protect it if it scratched. It was it was great. You don't re some of you don't realize the blessing that you have in Spotify, and all that you don't get it. Um, but I'm telling you, it was a rough, CDs were rough, amen? And, uh, and you, had to, you had to have booklets of them, you know, so you could, you could get everybody. And, and one time I got, you know, I got a car, I had a cassette player, then I got another car, and it had a CD player. And I thought I was a big deal. And probably a lot of people thought that too. <laughs> and, but here's the deal, the CD player, the previous owner, it didn't work. And they had a CD in there that was stuck. And it w I could not get it out for the life of me. And not only was it stuck, it was terrible music. 
This guy had no taste in music, church. Um, I'm very cultured in music. You know what I'm saying? I have great taste. They had no taste. So every time, so I was super excited to have the CD player, but then every time I turned it on, it was this terrible music that would just play on repeat, couldn't stop it, couldn't change it, couldn't get anything out. And I was like, this is so frustrating. And honestly, some of us in our minds, there are some toxic thoughts that are on repeat. They're playing again and again, and it's terrible music. Now, here's the difference, though. You don't have to listen to it. God actually will help us to change that, to play a new track. And so there are some thoughts in, in, our, in our minds that are on repeat that, man, God's saying, all right, this year, you're leaving them here. No more. No more playing this wacky music. No more. We're, we're going into the year with a different mind. We're going to renew our mind with God's help. We're going to feed some healthy thoughts that are built on Scripture, that are life-giving. And this toxic stuff, we're, we're going to leave it here. We've got to flee it. Here's what else we need to flee. We need to flee the shame of our failures. I know about you. I had some failures this year. I had some, some dumb moments, some selfish moments, some egotistical moments. I know you're so godly, you probably didn't have any of those. But if anybody did, then I'm talking to you today. Uh, we can very easily carry the shame of that into the new year. But if you really want to honor God, then you honor him by believing that the work of Christ is enough to truly forgive you. If you want to honor God in your failure, then you believe that, that as you bring that to Christ and say, Lord, forgive me, help me, I'm looking to you, believe that he really does forgive you fully. He's like, all right, let's move on. I don't want any of us to carry the baggage of shame of our failures into this year. Because I believe we will better honor God if we say, no, no, Christ has given me permission to put these down and never pick them up again. And we can leave them behind. Here's what else we need to flee from. Disappointment and hurt. The disappointment that we might have from this year, things didn't go the way that we want. Unexpected things happened that were, were difficult. And we're, you know, maybe our faith is shaken by it. Maybe we're a little bit confused by it. And, and here's how I believe we, we flee this, is we process it with God. We say, all right, Lord, I, I'm struggling in my heart. I, I thought this would all look different. And this is the way it looks, Lord. And, I, and I'm just not sure. Uh, and, and I'm struggling to, to be bitter I'm struggling uh, in, in all of this, and you process it with God. These last couple weeks of this year, if there's disappointment in your heart, I want you to bring it before God in authenticity. He can take your disappointment. And you know what he can do? He can direct it in the right way. Here's the other thing we need to flee is hurt. Grudges against people. Bitterness. Unforgiveness. We need to invite God to help us to let that go, to forgive. I'm going to talk a lot about that next week, so you're only getting 15 seconds on that today. But it's coming. Don't you worry. It's coming. And, and, and we, need, we need to flee it. And then we need to flee limiting habits. I believe our life is the accumulation of our daily, weekly, and monthly habits. Do you believe that? I've read so many books on habits. I've read Atomic Habits at least three times, maybe four times. I'll probably read it again next year. 
It's so good. I, I read it, but man, it is still so hard to change a bad habit. Anybody? I got James Clear coming out my nose, and it's still <laughs> so hard to change habits, isn't it? And do you have any habits that you want to say, all right, these are not serving me. These are not God's best for me. These are limiting. Anybody got any of those that you're like, you know what would be great is just if those habits were replaced going into next year. Just me? All right. <laughs> we all do, don't we? And it's challenging. And I think there's so much, there's so many good things you can read about that. There's so many good ways to, to structure life and to do, and I believe in all that. But I also think that there is spiritual power to help us in that. I also think we don't have to do all the heavy lifting in our lives alone. Let me share this verse with you, 2 Thessalonians. It says this, To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling. And then look at this part. And may fulfill every resolve for good. That's the line that always gets me. And every work of faith by his power. In other words, here, here's what Paul is praying for them. And I, and I think he's showing them this prayer because it's a prayer that, that is honoring to God, that God receives and wants us to pray. That every resolve for good you have in your heart today, I believe God will meet you and help you if you ask him. Don't try to white-knuckle your life. You know, where it's just like all in your power, and it's all, and, and, and if you're like me, that's such a tendency, right? I, I kind of, I, I look at it, and I think, I got to do it, it's got to be in my ability, and then, of course, that runs in very short supply, and we need to be reminded again and again and again of the words of Jesus, that apart from him, we can do nothing. But if we abide in him, if we stay dependent and connected on him, we can bear good fruit. Church, if there is something in your life that you're like, man, I am praying, I, I need this to change, bring that before God and just say, Lord, I need your power at work in me to change this thing. And, and it, it can be a small habit, big habit, doesn't matter, but I believe there, there, are, there is spiritual power to help us and to meet us. So we've got to flee some things, but then he also says, but we need to pursue some things. Pursue faith, godliness, love, all these things. We're commanded to pursue some things. So I want you to think, what do I need to move away from this year? I want you to think about that. I want you to pick one. You don't have to move away from everything. That's probably too much, but just pick one. And then I want you to think today about what, what can I be in pursuit of today? And, and uh, Paul gives us this beautiful list. The first one he says is righteousness. And I'm going to give you just definitions for these words that I think will maybe make them more understandable in our lives. Righteousness is, I would argue, it's a healthy flourishing of people and environments. It's, it's when we're, we're living life and we're, we're connected to God and we're honoring God and things are, are, are flourishing the way that they should. I, I remember several years ago there was this couple in our church and they were so cool and they, they really had a passion to invest in younger people that were married. You know, they wanted to help them navigate that and give them good wisdom and ideas. And I remember we were at a dinner one time, and this couple was sharing, and, and the wife said, she said, you know, hey, sometimes things go 
they get out of whack, you know, in life, and you end up being on two different pages in marriage, and, you know, it can escalate quick. And she said, she told us a story. She said, you know, just this week, I, I, I grabbed my husband, and I said, there's no joy in our house. And she said it so intensely. There's no joy in our house, and we need to get it back. And she said, and we started talking about it and praying. But the way she said it, it was kind of like one of those times where it's like, Beatings will continue until morale improves. Like, that was like the tone of it, you know. There's no joy. It's like, oh, my gosh. I I can tell. I feel like you're going to kill somebody right now, you know. I don't know if that's going to help bring it back. It was was just really funny to me. I don't know if anybody else thought it was, but I I did. But but I think what what she was getting at was, was, hey, we're we're not flourishing right now. There's a... There's a joy that, that God has uh, for us that, that isn't here, and, and we need to get it back. That's pursuing righteousness. Church, maybe some of our families, maybe honestly that's where it's at right now. And there, there's no joy. It's, it's, too, it's too tense. There's too much bitterness. And pursuing righteousness is saying, Lord, you have a better way. And, we're not, and we don't have it figured out right now. But we're going to be in pursuit of it. We're going to seek you. We're going to invite your help. We're going to change if we need to. And we're going to find a path forward that brings your flourishing. You with me on this, church? Here's the second thing he says. He says godliness. What is this? This is the pursuit of becoming more Christ-like in our character. Looking at, 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 at our lives and saying, how can I reflect the character of Christ in a more consistent way. I know about you, I got a lot of growth in that area. Uh, there's so many different avenues I could talk about that, but, but I think you get what I'm saying. We can be in pursuit of that. As we round this year, how can I show the character of Christ more in my words and in my actions? Faith, he says, we can pursue. What is faith? Confidently expecting God's goodness I believe, church, faith will serve you so much better than fear. Fear is the easiest thing to latch onto. It is the, the, the most uh, tempting thing to latch onto. I'm telling you, faith is a better way. And we can be in pursuit of faith. He says love. What is love? Love is sacrificing for the, the good of someone else. Then you know what? I'll take the harder road if it blesses you. That's love. I'll, I'll do the hard thing no one wants to do. That's love. I'll change that poopy diaper. Yeah, that's love, you know? <laughs> what? Sorry, what happened? I just blacked out. Uh, love, it's, <laughs> love, it's sacrificing for the good of someone else. Steadfastness. I love this one. I, this, to me, is grace under pressure. Now, in this season of my life, you know, I've got three, three little kids. It, it can get crazy really, really fast you know? There's domino effects that happen. One kid starts crying. You're like, okay, you know, let's go do some triage over here. But then it breaks out. It spreads. Second kid starts. And then third kid. And then, then I'm crying, you know? Uh, and it just, it, it just kind of can, can go out of control very, very quickly. And of course, it, it tends to be at the odd hours of the night when I need to wake up very early the next morning, you know? The, the timing's always curious to me. But anyway, but, but I realized that, that you know, I, I can endure it, I, and, I'll, and I'll do the right thing, but I'll do it 
with a lot of anger in my heart. Like, I'll, I'll endure, you know, the difficulty, but then I'll kind of be snappy. You know what I'm saying? I'll do it, but, you know, everybody knows, like, ooh, you know, dad's, uh, something's up with dad, and it's not good. You know, I'll, I'll endure. See, what steadfast is, is it's, it's enduring the hard thing, but it's doing it with grace. That's a big difference. It's like, all right, this is, this is annoying, this is difficult, or maybe it's going through a painful experience, but it's doing it with a spirit of grace, not a spirit of complaining, not a spirit of poor me, not a spirit that, you know, everybody's got to walk on eggshells around me because, you know, I bite, that sort of thing, but, but a spirit of grace. You with me? And Paul says we can pursue that. So it's grace under pressure, and then gentleness is similar. That's grace with people. So steadfastness is about what you're going through, your experiences, what's happening in life. Gentleness is about bringing that same quality of, of kindness and patience and grace, but bringing it with the people around you. Now, I know Christmas is coming up, and I know there's a lot of family gatherings, and I know some of our families are not perfect. I know there, there may be people in some of our families that, that we see where you're just like, you got to get hyped up to see them, you know? You got to get in the right frame of mind, the right frame of spirit, or, or maybe there, there's other people that, man, they push your gentleness <laughs> button to extreme levels. Uh, but here's, what, here's the beauty of this. Paul says, hey, pursue that. It's, it's God-honoring. I was thinking about this this week, and uh, many of you I know and many on our staff, we've read this book called Gentle and Lowly, and it's about how Christ says, my heart is gentle and lowly. Those are the only time Jesus Christ describes what his heart is like. He says, it's gentle and it's lowly. At the core of me, my very heart, my very center is gentle. And as I think about that, I have experienced that in my life. I have given God every reason to be harsh with me. I mean, I've given him every reason. I've given God every reason to lose his patience with me. I've given God every reason to forsake me and flee. I've, I've given God every reason to say, I, I'm done with you. No one should have to put up with this. I mean, I've given them every reason. But here's what I find when I go to Christ. I find gentleness. Man, and I'm so grateful for that. I'd be lost without him. Now, Christ treats me that way. And he calls me to treat others that way. Church, Christ treats you that way. That gentleness, it's not just for me, it's for you too. It's for all of us. He treats us this way so that we have something to give to others that is better than our tempers and our frustration. And you got to receive it from Christ first. And then you have something to give those around you. You with me on this? Paul says we got to pursue it. Then he says we must fight the good fight of faith. I find this language interesting. He says faith is a fight. It's a battle. You think about faith that way? It, it, that, that in other words, we, we, we have to be strategic. We have to, we have to realize that, that we're, we're in a battle. And, it, and it's, going to, it's going to be, our faith is going to be under attack sometimes. Here's what I find in life. 
that sometimes before you are about to make a breakthrough in your faith, in your journey with God, you will often experience some really big attacks right before it. And it's confusing. And, and, and the reason is, is because it's a battle. It's a fight, right? If, if that ground gets taken, then that means that the enemy is losing. That means that the kingdom of God is advancing forward in you and through you. And so the times where, where you are about to really take a significant step forward, I'm telling you, church, you got to be ready for a fight. And, the, and, and just recognizing that makes it that much easier. Because all of a sudden, you're right at the edge. You're right at the edge of transformation. You're right at the edge of growth. You're right at the edge of significant change. And then you're like, whoa, it feels like everything is against me. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's what should happen right now. That's because it's a good, it's a fight of faith. It's a good fight. Now, in a fight, we have to bring resources to bear. And what are those resources? How do we fight the good fight of faith? Well, number one, I believe it begins with scripture and prayer. I need to nurture and feed my faith with God's ideas. I need, I need, they need to fill my life. How do you end this year well? Well, one thing that you cannot go wrong doing is spending some time these last couple weeks and say, God, speak to me through your word, build and strengthen my faith. And he will. And he will. And, and your faith will be more fortified. God, speak to me. Teach me your way. Now, faith is also about a deeper trust in God. It's about knowledge. It's about learning. It's about understanding. But it's also about learning to trust the heart of God. I was thinking about Luke 15. It's this powerful story in, in the Gospels. And uh, a young son, many of you know this story, a young son goes away, he dishonors his father, he ends up, you know, at the end of his rope, and he decides to come back home. But someone pointed out that he did not come back home out of fear. He came back home because he knew life was better with his father. I thought that was so significant. And here's what faith is built on. It's built on this idea that, that life is better with God. That he really is trustworthy. He really is wise. He really is good. And, and faith, the, the way that we grow our faith is nurturing those ideas in our heart and in our mind. You with me on this, church? We got to fight the good fight. And then he says we must take hold of eternal life. Now, this is an interesting phrase. And I'm running out of time here, so I'm going to be quick. As quick as a preacher is when they say, in conclusion, uh, we, must, we must take hold of eternal life. What, what does this mean? Here's what this means. Taking hold of eternal life, it means that there are blessings that we can experience today from God that we may not be taking hold of. Eternal life is not just about the future. Although it, that's part of it. It's also about today. Eternal life is, is not just a future-oriented thing. It's also about a quality of life today. And I'll say, and, and, and Paul says to Timothy, he says, Timothy, there is more that God wants to give you that you can take. And I think that's true for all of us. Thinking about the, 
There's this great, powerful verse in the book of Nehemiah. He says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. I believe there is always joy. There is always more joy that we could grab hold of from God. Man, Lord, it's a tough season. It's an exhausting season. Holidays are crazy. And and Lord, I want to grab your joy. And I want it to be my strength. Church, we, we, we can ask for that. We can take hold of that. We can experience it. I believe that God has strength for you and I today. You may be at the end of your rope. You might be worn out. You might be looking at everything that's ahead this next week and being like, man, I'm stressed just thinking about it. I want you to know God will help you and give you the strength that you need to do everything that he wants you to do. Now, that's the key. It may not be everything you want to do, but everything he wants you to do. He will give you the strength. He will help you. We can take hold of that. We can take hold of the refreshing winds of God's spirit. I'm reminded time again and again throughout the New Testament where it talks about God bringing refreshment and renewal to his people. And maybe some of us need that today. It's understandable. Winding the year down. God will bring that to you. We can take hold of that today. And then Paul says, and he says, and remember, remember this confession that you did. Remember your commitment to God in the presence of many witnesses. Here's what I take from that. There are always more people around you who are cheering you on than you think. And we can't do this alone. Today, church, maybe for for some of us, part of finishing this year well is just grabbing a brother or sister after service and just say, hey, would you just pray for me? Would you just pray for me? This is what's going on. This is where I'm at, and I just need someone to pray for me. Or maybe it's going home with the family and just kind of saying, all right, guys, this is going to be awkward for a second, but grab your sibling's hand, interlace your fingers, (laughs) and we're going to pray. And we're just going to pray for God's help. This has been uh, a <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, but we, we need each other, church. You're not meant to do all this alone. And, and maybe you're good. Well, maybe God's given you strength to give someone else. And you need to be open to giving that too. You with me on this, church? We're, you're never in the fight alone. You're not meant to be. We need each other. We need to finish well. Uh, a, a year or two ago, I hung up my softball cleats. I retired. <laughs> Just too much toll on the body, um, you know. And uh, but my the the last season that that I, I played, we had a really good team, um, and we were you know very good. And I, you know, your boy was decent on there, right? I'm not saying I was the best, but I I, I could hold my own. Um, and I was I was our main pitcher. Would you think pitching softball is really easy? It's not as easy as it looks, all right? So take that. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and so, so the, final game, the final game that, that I was going to play, I had a great season, man. I just, like, I was super consistent pitching. I was hitting well. Just, it, was all, it was awesome. I was, like, had a great season. The last game, I completely fell apart. I, could, I couldn't pitch a strike for the life of me. I couldn't hit a softball well for the life of me. You know, I just completely, I had the worst game I've ever had. 
and then the season was over. And all that good season now had this dark cloud of that last game over it. And for like several weeks, I was like, this stinks, you know? I can't, I can't do anything about this. I'm not playing again. I'm retired, you know? All this kind of thing. The team disbanded. But, uh, but anyway, um, and, and so it was like, like that just, it was a great season, but, but that ending kind of, it kind of shaped it for me, you know? And it was a bummer. Couldn't get it back. Now, we know the reverse can happen too. You can have a rough season, but you end strong. It all feels different. Here's what I want for you. Maybe this year was good. Maybe it was bad. Maybe it was a mix. But I want you to end well. I want you to end with a sense of God's blessing on your life. I want you to end with a sense of God's strength. I want you to end with a sense of God's direction, of clarity. And church, we cannot do anything about the past but we can take the moment that we have these last couple weeks and we can bring it to God and we can leave some things, we can pursue some things, we can get some people around us and we can end well. And we can start the new year, this next season of life with a different spirit and a different heart. Let's ask God to help us in that. Father, we just come before you And Lord, we do want to see this year through in a meaningful way. Father, I believe endings matter. I believe, Lord, that that when things end well, there's closure, there's healing, there's learning, there's growth, and there's strength for the future. And so, Father, today help us to see this year through in a way that honors you, in a way where where you are central, and Father, in a way where you're glorified. Father, I just pray for each one of us. I pray especially for those who, and maybe this year has been especially challenging, and there's not a lot of good that we feel came out of it. I pray, Father, that you would bring renewal. I pray you'd bring refreshment pray you'd bring a change of perspective, and I pray you'd bring your healing presence. Help us, Lord. Bless us in all this. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Church, please stand and